This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. I'm Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Increase Revenue Without Chasing New Leads. My guest today is David Baer. David is a veteran direct response marketer who started his career selling classical music subscriptions online in the 1990s at the dawn of email marketing. Since then, his copy and strategic guidance have earned his employers and clients millions in sales. Through his consulting firm, Bear on Marketing, David has served clients in industries ranging from the arts to wine to professional services and wellness. David is also a creative partner with the Prepared Group. David Bear, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, very happy to have you here. And we have in common the, the, the fact that we serve business owners, business leaders, help them grow their businesses. And, and how many nickels would you and I have if we had a nickel for every time a business owner, a business leader comes to us at the beginning of an engagement and says, Here's what I want. I want new leads. Give me new leads. Make the lead flow. Uh, turn the fire hose on. Leads, leads, leads. Pretty common, right? It's incredibly common. In fact, uh, yeah. I started um, serving other businesses uh, back in the, I'm trying to think now, it was 2000, late 2009. Uh, I was just wrapping up a job as a marketing director for a wine importer. Mm-hmm. And uh decided to start a Facebook ads agency. This was toward the beginning of when Facebook um, was creating all of their revenue um, from from uh, what they called fan pages and then business pages mm-hmm. and then uh, started to allow advertising. So I started a Facebook ads agency and my my clients were wineries here in the Pacific Northwest. And that's exactly who all of the wineries wanted too. They wanted new customers to come and show up in their tasting rooms, book appointments and buy wine from them. And I know we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. So I don't want to, you know, um, jump right to the, uh, the punchline, but most businesses are incorrect in their assumption that that's what they actually need. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so let's carry it forward with the winery because you, you, or wineries, you worked with wineries and what was it that ultimately you had them doing that was generating the best ROI and the, and the most revenue flow for them? Well, let's, let's put some context around this. You, you and I yep. both uh, are familiar with uh, Jay Abraham's principle that there's basically an Every time I bring this up, somebody says, wait a second, there's more, but basically three ways to grow a business. 
right? Mm -hmm. The first one is increase the number of customers who you are serving. Mm -hmm. The second one is to increase the average transaction size. Mm -hmm. And the third one is the frequency of transactions. So the frequency of purchases. And in fact, that second one and that third one are the ones that most businesses ignore. Mm -hmm. But that's where the opportunity lies for more revenue to come into a business. So what did I do with the the, the wineries? The same thing I've done with every business I've ever uh, served. And it was to say, oh, that's nice. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that when they say I need more leads. And then I say, let's start by doing a needs assessment. Let's look at your situation uh, as a whole, because there may be ways that we can affect some uh, positive outcomes that don't necessarily require you to spend more money on ads, which is what I happened to be selling back then. And so after going through a needs assessment, I will almost always, it's, it's rare, there was one exception to this, but almost always identify places where they could be changing internal operational things Mm-hmm. That would allow them to increase revenue without getting more leads. And yeah. that's really where we focus. Yeah. And and when you talk about these ideas of increasing the average transaction, increasing the frequency of transaction, sometimes that that will confuse people, but let's just make it very simple. In the case of a winery, what we're talking about is, oh, did you enjoy the $20 bottle? then I'm sure you're going to enjoy the $50 bottle or the $75 bottle. Oh, you enjoyed the bottle? How about if you join the wine club and buy lots of bottles, a bottle every month or buy a case? That is an example of increasing the transaction, average transaction revenue and increasing the frequency more and at higher prices. Yeah. And I would hasten to add that that's not how I would ever coach a business to talk of about course, it with a customer, but <laughs> right. but that's that's what's happening behind the scenes. And so yeah, it's it's uh and you know, you're you're Mr. Storyteller. So how do we then take these concepts that you've just articulated so well mm-hmm. and and um empower the employee who's there in the tasting room to uh incentivize the person who's just come in for the first time uh, to leave with wine and maybe leave with a subscription of wine, right? right. Or, or you know, as, as you, you know, pointed out, moving from 20 to 40 to 75, there's all kinds of devices mm-hmm. within uh, most businesses. And, and the wineries certainly have, have this opportunity either to upsell additional bottles, discount on uh, quantity purchases, mm-hmm. um, get people into all kinds of recurring purchase situations, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's really what we explore is how, and by the way, most of the wineries I, I worked with had all of these mechanisms built, mm-hmm. right? They have the wine club, but they don't have the system to sell the wine club, right? They have more bottles in their inventory, but they don't have a system to move a single bottle purchaser to a multiple bottle purchaser or a six bottle purchaser to a 12 bottle purchaser. What most of them do is what many retailers do, which is they incentivize the staff by um, saying, you know, the more you sell, the, the more you're going to make in, 
uh, some some kind of payment, uh, whatever the the form might be, whether uh, they're commissioned on it, whether they're bonused on on certain things, but then they don't actually take the time to teach the staff how to upsell. Exactly. Right? So these are the types of things that, as a marketer, a yeah. typical marketer, we don't think about. Right? Well, that's not our business. Our business is to run Facebook ads to get them leads. Yeah. But. An enlightened marketer like you, right, will recognize that there's opportunity well beyond the service that we're selling mm -hmm. to help the client realize the outcome they're really after, which is increased revenue. Yeah, exactly. And and you're talking about it at point of sale when people are coming into the shop, but there's also a massive role in your ongoing marketing and the marketing tools that you're using especially email marketing. So, you know, when we talk about email marketing, what we're, we're not generally talking about cold email, buy or scrape to get together a list, and then just begin to pound people with unsolicited commercial emails. What we're talking about in most cases is engaging an existing list of people who raised their hand and said, I want to hear from you. Oftentimes, clients, oftentimes, lapsed clients and the question becomes how can you i use the expression uh get more milk from the cows who are already in the barn email marketing is a critical tool for doing that so talk a little bit david about how you've used email marketing to uh, pursue these strategies and help your clients to upsell to cross sell to yeah. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is is build referral programs. That's another factor. Sure. sure. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So there's there's a bunch of words that sprung into my head as you were as you were talking about that, and and I'll, I'll again hasten to add that whatever we're about to discuss as it relates to email marketing mm -hmm. can uh, certainly be applied in other means of ongoing communication. Direct mail Very is true. a good example. Right. Uh, e even advertising, where we can go back, you know, with the technology that's available to us these days, mm -hmm. go back in front of people with whom we already have a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so that might be uh, on, on Google, they call it remarketing. On Facebook, they call it retargeting, but it's the same principle, which is basically mm -hmm. you can communicate, hey, you know me, and here's an opportunity for you to do something else with me. Right. So um, the first word that sprung to mind, I, I already um, said it, is relationship. The second one is nurture. And I think these are really important words for businesses to figure out how do we systematize a word that I said earlier as well, right? How do we systematize the building and nurturing of relationships? And that's relationships with everybody who comes into our orbit, whether they're a prospect who hasn't yet bought or an existing customer who buys frequently or mm -hmm. an existing customer who, as you said, has lapsed. But mm -hmm might very well buy again if we only communicate with them the value of the opportunity to do so. Yep. And so uh, right now, I've, I've just outlined three different um, lines of messaging mm -hmm. that might be appropriate for three different buckets of relationships that exist. Right. And taking the time to figure out where is somebody in the relationship with us as a business, mm -hmm. What are the types of things that they are thinking about as it relates to what we could offer them? And how do we message to them in a way that gets them to sit up, pay attention, and ultimately take action? 
Yep. And the, yep. the path for each is slightly different, but the formula is the same for all of them. Yeah. And you used the word earlier, you used the word trust. And if your followers, your clients, so forth, are not feeling as if you're there to build a relationship, if they believe it's all just about the transaction and you're not providing the care that they expect and they want, then they're going to move on. There are surveys out that suggest that the number one reason that people leave a company and don't renew a product or a service or keep buying is not because they hated the product or service. It's because they felt taken for granted or ignored or not served properly. And what you're talking about, that engagement, that nurturing, that caring is all about making people feel wanted, making people feel like they're part of a community, making people want to buy again and again and again and tell others about it as well. Yeah. The, the, the point that you just made about this survey, by the way, I want to yeah. I want to make sure your listeners know this yeah. is universal. This is not yes. in just one industry or two industries. Yep. All right. I served for many years financial advisors. What mm -hmm. is the number one reason people leave their financial advisor and move to another? Because they feel ignored because the financial advisor only reaches out to them once a year to say, hey, it's time for us to look at your investments and, and reconnect so that I make sure that I'm giving you the you know, 30, 40, 60 minutes of value that uh, I expect I should be giving you each year. Right? right? That's number one. Marketing agencies, major surveys in the marketing agency world, particularly at the enterprise level, why do... Uh, you know, marketing directors within companies leave marketing agencies because they feel that the marketing agency has uh, not communicated and not been transparent. And let's bring it back to wineries. Wineries, mm -hmm. the same exact reason. Why do people leave clubs? Because outside of the one email a year or, the, or every quarter that the winery sends out to say, it's time for your club shipment. Would you like us to add anything to the case before it gets sent out? There is no further relationship there. Mm -hmm. And therefore people feel as if once they've been, they've been ignored. And the and and while they have this, you know, relationship with the wine inside that bottle and the experience that they create for themselves, the winery certainly has played very little role in that. So there's tons of opportunity, regardless of what industry you're in, to actually build on relationship by just being a better communicator. Yeah. Amen. And, and when you say there's tons of opportunity, the great news is that your competitors are horrible at this. In most businesses, in most industries, your, your competitors are doing the same things that we've just been talking about. And so the one who steps forward and does this well and nurtures the relationship and doesn't take the client for granted, you'll stand out. And, and let's talk now about referrals because sure. I, I was about to complete the sentence there by saying, and they'll tell, they'll tell, they'll others. tell others. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah, this is referrals is a mechanism just like everything else that ought to be systematized. That's right. Right. And, and there's a, there's a few ways that, that we typically think about it and we typically approach it mm -hmm. because it's great to have a system to go out and ask your existing customers, mm -hmm. hey, do you know anybody else who could benefit from the thing that we, we have to offer? 
And the likelihood is, and I don't know your opinion on this, so um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see if um, you and I agree or disagree. But there is a system out there, and for the life of me, the the term has just escaped my head. But I'll describe it, and then you'll say, "Here's what it's called." Mm-hmm. Um, a system where uh, you've likely received an email from a company after you've made a purchase. Mm -hmm. And the email is a very straightforward, very simple one. And it's asking one question. How likely are you to tell others about XYZ, whatever it is? And there's a scale, one to 10. Right. Right. Um, do you recall what it's called? Otherwise, yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll do some picture, quick Googling. I can to... <laughs> picture the cover of the book, it, it, the uh, the ultimate. Uh, yeah. We're going to get this in the show notes, people. So, uh, um, and I know, our, I know our, that our somebody tired old marketing brains are forgetting <laughs> the, the books and the and the slogans around this, but uh, it's the buyer score. Um, uh, it's not the term I was looking for, but we'll we'll uh, we'll get it um, in a moment or two before um, before we we figure out uh, before we move yeah. on to another topic. Um, we'll keep going. The, no. the idea here, though, is um, yeah. very scientific, and it's that you don't want to be asking everybody who could possibly give you a uh, a, a referral mm-hmm. for a referral. You want to ask those who are most likely to be champions of your business, and so. Mm-hmm. The idea of asking that question is very intentional because it sets somebody up psychologically for the next question, which is, okay, if you have rated nine or 10 on the scale of one to 10, Mm -hmm. my next question is, would you please do so? And here's a mechanism by which you can, right? right? And and that might be sometimes not a direct referral, but asking for a testimonial. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be... um, you know, some sort of uh, requests, can I send you something which you can share with people, right? There's all kinds of mechanisms that Mm -hmm. one could build into their business as the next step to extract referrals from their existing customers, but only the appropriate ones. Anybody who's scoring uh, under seven on that, on that scale, and and I've stopped my uh, attempt to Google and talk at the same time. So I'm, I'm fully uh, uh, tasking you with that responsibility, Tom. Um, anybody who who has scored, uh, between one and seven Mm -hmm. is somebody who's had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity for a business to actually turn that around, right. To turn, turn the lemon into lemonade. And so there should be a logical follow-up to those individuals as well, which is basically clearly we screwed up. What can we do to solve the problem to, to fix what happened? Right. And anybody who is answering seven or eight, will typically recommend that there's something that could be improved upon. And therefore the next question isn't great. Would you refer us? But it looks like there's room for improvement. What could we do to have made things better for you? Yep. And again, once you know that they're now in a happy place with you, that's a great time to ask the question. Could you refer? Could you record a testimonial? Could you do something to help us? Yeah. And, and there is so much evidence and I have so much personal experience in my own business and in my clients' businesses of when you fix a problem for an unhappy client, they become the happiest client. When you ignore a problem or hem and haw or deny or push them away, <laughs> you're just, you're just fueling a fire. Now that said, 
I'm not a believer, and David, you can weigh in on this as well. I'm not a believer that the customer is always right. I yeah. just don't. I just don't think that's the case. And when a customer is acting inappropriately and asking and demanding things that are just irrational and and complaining about things and they're flat out wrong, there are different ways to handle that. But more often than not, when clients come to you with some concern, especially when it's they've taken time to respond to a survey and give you a score in that six, seven, eight range, mm-hmm. then you want to engage them. You want to own them. You want to own this and, and solve the problem. I shared with you a story recently, David, about a client I used to work with many, many years ago, early on in the early 2000s, email marketing was very young. I was running my email uh, marketing company that I founded in 2001. And he ran a restaurant that was you know, a bar, but they had a couple of nicer items on the menu, steak and so forth. And he did a customer survey. And a couple of the people who filled out the customer survey complained about the fact that the strip steak had been removed from the menu. And he came to me and asked, what should I do? These people are complaining about the strip steak being gone. So, well, why is the strip steak gone? He said, because our supplier increased the price by a dollar and reduced the size by an ounce and it just wasn't worth it for us. And I said, okay, what you do is you answer those people and explain it. And what he did without telling me before he answered them, he had a phone call with a different supplier who was able to get him a stake of the same original size for a dollar less than he had been paying. And so he was able to go back to them and say, heard you loud and clear. We're bringing the stake back, solve the problem. And then when he told that story in an email about a week later, he had people coming out of the woodwork saying, I never even noticed steak was on the menu. I always order the chicken wings or the hamburger, but I think that's awesome that you answered the people who were concerned and that you took steps to fix the problem. So it doesn't even just extend to the one-to-one relationship when you're solving problems. You can position yourself as a problem solver, as a nurturer, as a business that cares. And when you do that, the bond with all of your customers strengthens and all of these things we've talked about, upselling, cross-selling, referrals, begin to happen naturally as a result. Now, I'm, I'm going to circle back to your, your story in a moment, but to close the loop of what this scale of one to 10 is called, Google yeah. has finally uh, returned uh, the answer I've been looking for. Clearly, I should have been using ChatGPT instead. Well, no, uh, I, I, the, fact, the fact that, I, sorry to interrupt, but the fact that I, I, I kind of purposely gave you a long story so that you could spend time uh, going, going into Google and digging it up. That's There uh, we go. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and and I I, I, I followed your lead. Uh, it's called the Net Promoter Score. Right, 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 right. The Net Promoter Score. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, now now to get to, back to the response that I have for for your story about the steak, um, you know, again, that was email, but mm-hmm. there's other means of communication, and particularly public communication, where I think it's really useful to do exactly what this guy did via email. Right. Mm-hmm. When you get a bad review online. Mm-hmm. What is the best way to deal with it? Well, deal with it publicly, not in a fighting way, but in a let me demonstrate how we have resolved the problem or that we intend to resolve the problem 
publicly. Right? There's all kinds of uh, research that shows the amount of uh, positive response mm -hmm. businesses receive when they demonstrate that they care about the challenges and, and problems that that uh, um, other customers have had. Absolutely. The the other the other point that I, I think. Um, is kind of important here is you've heard me say uh, previously to systematize these things. Mm -hmm. And in many businesses, the type of stuff we've been talking about is often inconsistently applied because it's applied by the owner or the mm -hmm. manager, but not uh, by the entire staff. And yep. they're not empowered to or taught how to address problems, communicate yeah. with, with customers, et cetera. And again, if we're looking to realize more revenue more consistently, then we should internalize some of these ideas about communication and about extracting additional sales across the board. Yep. Rather than just, you know, left left to the devices of the, the one person who feels like they have the right or, or capability of doing it themselves. Yeah, you're you're completely right. And there's an irony in this because you're you're emphasizing the importance of systems and structures, which I agree with 100 percent. But sometimes that creates the very problem that we're trying to avoid, which is employees who will say, well, the policy is X, I'm sorry, sir, I can't help you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or I don't have the authority to do this. And what you have to really do is recognize that policies and the frameworks and so forth are, are just that, a framework, but you have to empower your employees to make the right decision at the right time and in some cases make exceptions to the stated policy if they work at the front desk at a hotel or they're a or they're a restaurant worker or they're the we, we've all dealt with it right we call customer support on the telephone and we just get the i'm sorry sir reading from the script of what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do mm -hmm. and and businesses that are able to do as you described create a little bit of flexibility and empower their employees with understanding that they are helping to grow the business and market the business, you win in the long run. Yeah, those employees might overstep and make a mistake from time to time, but generally in the end, you're going to win if you take that approach. I, I think, you know, one, one of the things that many businesses have not thought about is the big picture, right? We, we mm -hmm. started by talking about the fact that they're narrowly focused on, I need more leads. But in fact, what they're really in need of is more revenue or more consistency or more predictability in their business mm -hmm. as it relates to the customers they're serving. And uh, to help a business's employees get on board, I, I, I'm looking for the name of a, a book I recently um, read. Um, it's called Company Rules. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a, oops. Of course, we don't want to be playing that. I, I had to pull it up on my Scribd account here on, on uh -huh. uh, online. And it's called Company Rules or Everything I Know About Business I Learned from the CIA. It's by a guy mm -hmm. named Mike Baker. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, which is, I think, exclusive to the Scribd platform, uh, it talks about 
the idea of a foundational introduction to the CIA that he received and how critical that is to introduce employees to the principles behind a business, right? What is yeah. what are the core beliefs of the business? What is the mission? And I'm not talking about simple mission statement, but what is the mission of the business? When an employee understands those elements of the business, they are far more likely to be able to take whatever training that they get around things like customer service and customer response and, and all of the things that you know should right. be systematized and understand the place that that holds in the business operation and can actually take ownership in the context of understanding what the business's mission is all about. Right. So it's it's yet another thing that businesses could be doing that they're not. Sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? But imagine the outcome, the ben the positive benefits of engaging in this kind of systematic approach in your business. Yeah, and sure, it sounds like a lot of work, but in the end, what we're talking about, going back to this idea of of what we're describing versus going out and chasing leads, is that. It's proven year over year, business after business, that it is way less expensive to extract more dollars from those who are already part of your world, your existing clients, your, your warm prospects, even your lapsed clients. So much less effort and expense to upsell, cross-sell, and get referrals from those people than to go out through whatever means find a new client or find a new lead, nurture that lead, and then close that sale. That takes time, that takes money, that takes effort. And I think, David, we have to emphasize that we're not saying lead gen has no place in business growth. Lead gen absolutely has yeah. to be part of the plan. But what too many businesses do is they start end to end with, give me new leads and let me sell and let me ring the the cash register without thinking about the nurturing and the lifetime value and the opportunities that exist with that, that existing group of clients and prospects. Let, let me add one additional uh, element to what you've just outlined there, because mm -hmm. when we look at businesses and we've taken them through our needs assessment and they say, you know, I need more leads. One of the most common responses that we give them uh, is is not why why uh, focus on the new leads? You have all of these existing customers. The biggest thing that we see is that they don't have a leads generation problem. They have a leads management problem. Yeah. Here's here's what yep. I mean by that. If you bring ten possible buyers into your orbit, and you're in a business where you bring them up to the point where there's a sale opportunity and one out of 10 buys and maybe there's you know an opportunity to follow up with one or two others who might buy soon and you think mm -hmm. okay well maybe I'll follow up with them well then you forget about the other 7 right. but the likelihood is that you that you focus on the one out of 10 who buys and you forget about the other 9 yeah and the likelihood is that many of those other 9 are going to buy something eventually from someone, why shouldn't it be you? Yeah, amen. And, and all of the principles that we've discussed, following up, nurturing, being systematic, showing that you care, 
that applies to that group of people. When you, when you first meet new people, new leads, put your marketing message out there, your advertising out there to the world, a tiny percentage of people, 1%, maybe 2% on a good day are going to raise their hand and say, I'm ready to buy. Let's have a conversation. And to your point, what about those other eight or other seven? And the very principles that we're describing are what keep those folks in the fold, what keep them interested, what helps build a, a relationship of trust and eventually brings them around. And so it, it's really important that these principles are, are, are universal, whether you're talking about the existing client and nurturing them into a cross-sell or upsell yep. or a new lead. And, and I think you're right. So many businesses have a lead nurturing and conversion problem. It's not that they don't have enough leads. It's that they don't know what to do with the leads they have. So we, we've been talking about how to look at all of this holistically. And yeah. um, what, what I haven't revealed to your audience, though, though you know, Tom, is that uh, I no longer work directly with with business owners. I now work with professional marketers and agency owners, helping mm -hmm. them figure out how to serve their clients more effectively and, and more completely. But <laughs> yes. everything we've just been talking about is undermined by the way most of the marketing services industry mm -hmm. works, right? And mm -hmm. so as as we were talking about the idea of following up with leads because they're not all going to be ready to buy right now. Well, it, at least in the enterprise world and in the online um, advertising world, there is this category known as in market, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can actually run ads to people who have demonstrated in some way that they are likely to buy very soon, the thing that you happen to be selling. And so there are marketers who are out there saying, hey, I'll just advertise to people who are in market. And therefore, you don't have the one out of 10. You have the 10 out of 10 or the 9.78 out of 10 opportunity to sell. This is incorrect. This is not <laughs> the you, way David. that Thank things you. actually work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep going. You're, you're right. I'm tracking with you. It's important. It's a big idea. Yeah. And yeah. and I won't, and don't get me started on the fact that uh, there's there's so much inaccuracy in data and that so much money is being wasted with online marketing because there's bots and all kinds of things that are um, you know destroying the uh, um, validity of most of the uh, the, the, the stats, stats that we right. get there. So yeah. I, I think a lot of that stuff gets in the way too. Um, but but that's that's a podcast interview for another day with a different guest. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we have, <laughs> I feel like we've covered so much ground and this is one of those rewind this people and listen to it or watch it again, because there, there are so many big and important ideas that even, even if you feel like you're on top of the game and you're happy with your business's numbers, there are things we've talked about today that will help any and every business that is tuned in today. So David, Tell us more about the work you're currently doing, who the ideal person to reach out to you would be, who you're looking to have conversations with, and how they can reach out and what those conversations would look like. Sure. So after I uh, spent years in uh, the Facebook advertising space with uh, wineries, I actually started working with uh, my current business partner and his agency, 
we thought we were going to start working on uh, expanding his um, uh, influence in the winery space, but we actually jumped into working with financial advisors uh, instead, and we we built out a, uh, a comprehensive program for financial advisors. Well, as we were building that out, we realized we were doing a disservice to a lot of the clients we were serving by not fully introducing them to the range of things we've been talking about over the course of the you know last 25 30 minutes mm-hmm. and when we brought those things up very often the client would say something along the lines of yeah that's great you know i i, I might you know uh, address that someday and we realized well you're you're losing a lot of money right now because you're not addressing it now and the work that you are engaging us to do is not going to result in the greatest possible outcome unless we optimize it by going through some additional steps with you to make some decisions like how are you going to follow up with people mm-hmm. and uh you know how are you capturing and uh, and databasing the information that we're sending your way and all of these types of things so we decided we were going to shut down our business as an agency and reopened the next day as a marketing strategy consulting firm. And we announced this to all of our clients. You know, you're welcome to continue working with us, but we would like to show you our new offer, which is let's sit down and actually go through a comprehensive assessment of your business and make some critical decisions about how do you systematize all of these areas that we've been discussing, right? Uh, how How do you attract? How do you capture? How do you nurture? Uh, How do you uh, systematize the conversion into buyers? How do you create customer delight? How do you Mm -hmm. upsell programmatically? How do you refer or or extract referrals or orchestrate referrals programmatically so that you as the business are in control? What what about pricing strategy? What about uh, positioning in the marketplace? There are so many things that businesses either take for granted or ignore completely. Mm -hmm. And so we decided that's probably going to have a greater impact on the future of the business than our ability to send traffic to their website. That's where we want to focus. So uh, fast forward a few years, we've uh, been doing that for since 2018. And in late 2021, we started licensing this to other marketing agencies and service providers, and now help those uh, individuals and those organizations serve their clients more completely, more holistically, and more strategically. Beautiful, beautiful. And and what is so critical about this and a, a big takeaway lesson for those watching or listening is that David's entire business is about strategy before tactics, strategy before tactics. Do the assessment, look at the big picture, think about the primary strategies to refer, to nurture, to systematize, all of these things we've talked about. The tactical stuff comes behind that and tactics serve strategies, not the other way around. Too many businesses chase the shiny object. Give me the latest funnel. Give me the latest piece of software. Teach me the trickiest tactic. And they don't focus on the strategy. So I love that you built a business focusing on that. I love that you're training and helping other agencies bring that to their clients it's important. It's the right way to grow a business. I, I think you and I probably discussed this at some point, Tom, uh, on, on my website, I, I, uh, 
I think I coined a phrase, but I uh, at least shared a phrase, which I call the uh, marketing industrial complex. Yeah, and right. it's it's really the way that business owners and marketers think marketing ought to be done uh, is tactics first. And mm-hmm. if you enter into a conversation with the majority of marketers out there, well, they have specialized in a one particular technical area or one particular medium or channel or mm-hmm. a corner of what's possible in marketing. And unlike things like the legal profession or the financial profession, we don't have advisors who really look at the big picture when it mm-hmm. comes to marketing and figure out what is most appropriate for you, Mr. And Mrs. Business Owner, right? And your particular situation and your agenda and your goals. What do we deploy for this situation? That's what we're hoping to uh, positively affect a, a change in. Yep, and uh, I agree 100%. It's important work. I know you do great work. I've uh, I've gotten to know you over the last many months, if not a couple of years, I think, uh, when we first met. And uh, I so appreciate the work you do, the wisdom that you bring to the rooms that I'm in, and everything that you do to uh, to just uh, focus on on exactly what we discussed: helping businesses grow strategically. So, David Bear, thank you so much. Any parting words? Anything that the audience needs to know before we call it a day? I think I think we've beaten those important words into their heads, strategy and systems. And I yeah. think if if anything, take take a step back from your business for a moment, right? Look at what you're doing and look where there's opportunity to uh, enhance revenue generation in places where it doesn't involve getting new customers in the front door. And yep. then try to build a little system around it. Yep. Thank you, David Bear. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. If you liked what you heard, go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcast and please subscribe. Please drop a five-star review in. That's how others hear about it. Share that gift by uh, telling people how much you enjoyed the podcast. And for more regarding uh, marketing story pow- storytelling, go to storypowermarketing.com, free resources, uh, email sign up on the website, and visit us again at the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks, David. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 